Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Quality Sense Podcast, a place to learn about everything related to software testing and quality through great conversations with different thought leaders. My name is Federico Toledo and I will be your host today. In this episode, I had a very interesting and necessary conversation with Gev Hovsepian. He has more than 10 years of experience in the software industry. He's also an agile advocate and now he's the head of product of Mabel. If you follow us, you have probably read some of our articles about local solution for test automation and Mabel is one of the tools that we have been using in this category. If you want to know what's accessibility testing, why it is important or even if you wonder if it's possible to automate it, okay, get comfortable and listen this episode because this is exactly what we talk about with Gev. Enjoy! I'd like to thank my team Abstracta for sponsoring and helping me to create this podcast. Abstracta is a company fully dedicated to software testing that can work with you to push the quality of your products and processes to the next level. Hello, Gev. It's an honor to have you here in the show. Welcome. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. I'm I'm in Boston. Weather is nice, uh, which is uh, rare, but uh, enjoying it. <laughs> Amazing. So first of all, I would like to hear your story. You know how to, how you started working in software. How your job nowadays is connected to software testing and software quality. Just to let, uh, let the audience know a little bit about you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, happy to share. Um, I I started my uh, journey in technology with uh, uh, my focus on mathematics. So I, I went to a special school in mathematics and transitioned into uh, university focused on applied mathematics and computer science, uh, where I did a lot of kind of engineering and applying mathematical models to to uh, to uh, kind of code languages and um, whatnot. And and that kind of uh, led me to into the economy as a software engineer. So uh, right after the university is starting to software engineering where I worked on various languages like image processing. I worked with actually hardware systems as well um, uh, and did that for about four years. Uh, and throughout that, those four years, I uh, built a, a really deep passion about kind of making technology accessible to people um, because I realized that you know, how much power I had as an engineer and how much respect I got as an engineer. And then that that made me think a lot about what, what would happen if we make this this really powerful tool accessible to others and empower others to 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 be to be as cool as I felt at the time when I was doing engineering. So uh, that that really made me uh, think about the product manager career where I can uh, have that impact and uh, since I transitioned into product management, I, I really worked on kind of technology products that empower people that are less technical to participate in technology economy. You know, this low-code, no-code movement, simplification of the technology and training uh, people that kind of traditionally aren't kind of trained as a, as, as engineers. Um, yeah, in the past 
eight years, been doing product management for no-code, low-code space, uh, first focused on application development, uh, and now I'm uh, part of Mabel focusing on um, low-code test automation. Amazing. And I really like how you explain accessibility in a different way, uh, how to make technology accessible for everyone, right? This, yeah. this is all about. Um, this is going to be our main topic today. And I wanted to ask you, what's your experience on accessibility testing? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, as I said, spending the technology space for, for over a decade. And, and, and throughout that time, I really seen a lot of products where accessibility either isn't really considered or it's considered when it's too late. Yeah. Right. It's almost like afterthought then versus like actual requirement for the platform. And, and that, you know, made me uh, somewhat uh, upset emotionally and maybe even ethically that we're not really thinking about people that may not be able to access that technology. And, and certainly on the business side, it also made me uh, wonder why people don't think about accessibility because 15% of the world population has some sort of disability. So it seems like a significant market that people aren't really thinking about as much as they should. Yeah, and there are different ways of disabilities, right? Because we tend to think first in the people with some sort of disability, then, then you also have the contextual disabilities, yeah. but also another thing that I was discussing with a friend recently, people from our age, we started to use technology in, in very young years and we are getting old. And as we get old, we are losing our abilities to interact with the technology and with different devices. So it's also something that is going to be more required, as I see it, in the future, because more older people are using technology nowadays, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, uh, again, I, I've done a lot of research because we've strategically focused in this domain for the past uh, couple of quarters. And uh, you know, as I said, if you read, for example, the World Bank report, they say well, fifteen percent of people have disabilities, and when you try to get deeper, uh, you realize that a lot of the disability Uh, is identified in more developed Western countries. And when you get a little bit deeper, you realize that a lot of that comes from the fact of like more modern medical systems and, and access to, to healthcare and whatnot makes people live longer and perhaps get more exposed to, to the challenge later in their life. And certainly there, there, there's big population uh, that unfortunately experiences disability earlier in their life, but certainly age is, is a big contributor to that 15% number. Amazing. So I think the first questions I have for you, I think they are already answered, which is how could you explain what accessibility is and why we should care about it? Do you want to add something else about that? Yeah, I mean, other than first and foremost, I think it's, it's, it's really the, the, the right thing to do uh, Uh, but but also it's there's there's there is really the huge business opportunity that uh, uh, companies need to think about. It's also important to highlight that uh, a lot of countries are adopting accessibility standards as a law. And if you look at the at the kind of uh, world map and uh, countries, it's not only uh, countries like you would think, like U.S. and and, and Canada and whatnot. Like, 
big part of Europe has accessibility as a law, right? Australia has accessibility as a law. Japan has accessibility as a law. So it's not only the right thing to do. It's not only the business opportunity in segment. It's also a, a law and the need to comply uh, uh, with the law. And there is no shortage of lawsuits in the U.S. I mean, we've seen uh, 40% year-over-year growth in lawsuits, uh, especially in e- e-commerce space in the United States. So certainly something to consider from a business perspective. Yeah, I was going to mention before that accessibility is one of those characteristics like um, security or performance that you pay attention when you already had a problem. So you, you realize how bad it could affect your business after you had an issue. And in one of our customers a few years ago, uh, we started to work on accessibility because they had a a lawsuit, right? So it's after you suffer something like this that you start thinking, but actually it should be in the opposite direction. We should think about our users first and not because, yeah, cool. So according to your experience, how testers typically find accessibility issues today? Well, in most cases, they don't. So, uh, so <laughs> in, in a lot of, uh, in my experience, a lot of time accessibility testing, or let's call it accessibility audit, if the companies have something, it happens outside of uh, kind of your traditional development process. So first, a lot of companies don't have it. Let's start from there, right? Which is mm-hmm. some companies have it, uh, Uh, because of all the four reasons that we highlighted. And if they do, in most cases, it's almost like a dedicated SME group that sits outside of your your traditional development organization and they do accessibility audits once a year or twice a year. And a lot of that effort is manual and they have subject matter experts and they write reports and those reports get published as an accessibility report and ultimately a compliance attestation, Uh, right? Which is... Obviously, in a lot of cases, when those audits happen, it's too late in the cycle, right? Because the product is developed, it's in the market, it's being used, and you do a once a year audit and you find a lot of problems, which then go back into your kind of product organization to be addressed. Well, the next thing you know, they're competing priorities. It's a huge backlog of issues that needs to be addressed. Um, so that's that's been my experience in the, in the current uh, uh, for, for most most part in the current state. So I understand that there are a lot of challenges following that process. Probably that's why it takes so long to fix those issues. It's probably very expensive. I, in my experience, when you provide like a report, an, an audit report, as you were saying, uh, to a customer with a lot of issues, because when, when we get involved, there are already many things that you should fix, right? So it's really hard to prioritize which issues are more important or can have a, a bigger impact. The backlog is really bad. And probably you repeated the same error once and again in every single web page or corner on your application, right? Yeah. So how can we change that? What's a better approach? Yeah, I think that the, the better approach is, is really to transition from thinking about accessibility as an afterthought and more thinking about accessibility as a requirement and part of your development process, right? So 
if you if you think about your day to day kind of uh, let's let's call it an operation at the development team level, right? If you go to the smallest unit in the engineering organization, like you have a you have a backlog, you have features or product investments. If you're prioritizing, gets to engineers, they create a a branch, they work on the feature as part of that, they have uh, hopefully some kind of continuous uh, integration and continuous testing process. They write a feature, they run their, their automation to make sure feature does what it's supposed to do as well as what feature kind of works well with the rest of the technology. They deploy and there you have the feature. Well, right now, because accessibility is not part of that process, then later in the process, they have an audit and you get the problem that we discussed. So instead, you should bring accessibility into that process and enable your team to test accessibility as they are building the capability, just like you would test any other requirement of your uh, capability, uh, right? So that's that way, while you may not address all your accessibility needs, you will have a very strong head start. Yeah, probably you will address not most, but many or the most important uh, issues that could appear later on, right? Yeah, I mean, if if you if you look at like automation technologies, you know, you can't you can't automate the entire accessibility. I think that's that there is no such thing like let's automate it and we're accessible, right? It's more like you're more accessible, less accessible, right? So now if you can automate half of your accessibility and you can right current technologies enable you to automate about like 60 percent of test cases uh, or uh, use cases uh, uh, based on the standards defined the, the web content accessibility guidelines so if you do the 60 percent upfront at part of your development process then your downstream effort is a lot smaller and therefore you achieve compliance a lot faster because 60 percent is just a regular operation at the team level. Yeah, I, I feel that we need to not only to generate more conscience about about the, the issues and the importance of accessibility, but also be trained more about how to do it. Because 60% according to the uh, to the standard, as you said, but there are many things that you still need to check, um, let's say manually, right? And, and try to experience like a user will experience the application when using a screen reader or some other artifacts, right? But having that 60% covered doesn't guarantee in the user experience, but at least get us closer, right? Yeah. And the idea is to make as much effort to ensure accessibility early in the cycle as you can. So you're absolutely right. Like user experience, I mean, how do you know uh, if, if, for example, the specific button is effectively positioned in the UI and, and it's accessible from that sense? So there's still good amount of manual effort that needs to happen and audit needs to happen. But more work you do earlier, the better off you are with your accessibility objectives. Yeah, absolutely. Quality Sense podcast, where you will have the chance to improve your sense for quality by listening to some leaders who are amazing at what they do in the software industry. According to your experience, do, do you have any advice on how to 
coordinate the manual efforts and the automation efforts following a continuous integration methodology or something? Yeah, I think the first and foremost is to, uh, it's, it's very important for teams and companies to be very intentional and strategic about accessibility testing. So what I mean by that is you need to effectively plan the scope of your accessibility testing upfront. Right. You can use like test case management tools. You can whatever, whatever organizations use, but you need to be able to say, okay, this is the scope of my accessibility testing. Then you need to be able to clearly identify your strategy for that scope. Part of it can be automated. Part of it needs to be done manually. Part of it is in the UX domain. And then be able to track your progress across your, your DevOps pipeline or the innovation pipeline to make sure that you have an effective way to track the the, the state of work. And, you know, automation uh, software or solutions is just part of the answer. It's not the entire answer. You need to have a bigger strategic plan for it. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you see the future of accessibility testing? Maybe uh, do you have an advice for testers to get ready for that future? Um, I think I can see, like right now, as we discussed earlier, right? So the, the technology and the libraries uh, really enable us to automate about 60% of accessibility testing. But I do see a world where that number increases uh, uh, predominantly by, by leveraging more modern intelligent technologies, right? So more modern image processing technologies, certainly uh, machine intelligence can be a huge, uh, uh, huge play in there. Uh, you know, ability to do semantic search on the UI can be uh, very kind of text, semantically understand the text uh, can be a huge improvement for, for accessibility. So I think over time, probably the next, like I would say, three to eight years, those technologies are going to get adopted and that will help to increase the, the, the automation coverage to you know, 80, 90%, hopefully. Uh, so if anything, I would, I would encourage people to look for those trends and to understand what are the companies that innovate beyond the basics. Um, but as a starting point, let's use the basics. <laughs> At least, yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, can, you, can you tell us a little bit about how Mavo is helping testers nowadays with the automation and adding some support for accessibility testing? Because I, I know you are a product manager. We can see that you are very concerned about the, the, the practice and probably you are having an impact on the tools that we can use in order to include accessibility testing into our products in our um, development cycles. Yeah, I think uh, uh, before I do that, maybe like a, a two minutes of uh, kind of a couple of sentences I want to share about what, what's happening in the quality space. Um, sure. And then I'll, I'll talk how Mabel is helping uh, with, that, with that transformation. So historically we've been, uh, the industry has been focused on, on quality uh, QA kind of function, which is almost like, you know, a, a function to be a gate to make sure that the, that the quality of the product is, is ensured as you progress to uh, uh, different stages of the product, most importantly to production. I think we're really seeing transformation from quality assurance mindset to quality engineering mindset, which is more of a practice to make sure that 
that that the software you produce is high quality and it is high quality as early in the cycle as possible, right? And it's also uh, that practice also focuses a lot on the quality beyond the functional requirements of the software because the quality engineering practice starts looking in the software from different functional, um, non-functional to, to, because quality is really not only the the functional aspect, uh, it's also the the non-functional aspect and and ultimately the end-to-end journey and the experience that users get. So what we do at Mabel, we really enable quality engineers to be able to deploy test automation effectively in the in the DevOps pipeline that ensures that quality, not only the functional quality, but non-functional quality. So our way to address that is to deliver uh, unified and modern SaaS intelligent solution uh, that enables people to do not only the functional testing, but also non-functional testing in a unified experience and do it as early in the pipeline as possible. So that's uh, that's our approach. And we also, the experience, we focus on the local experience a lot because we want to make sure that uh, everyone has the ability to participate in that innovation pipeline at the company, right? So that's, that's, that's our approach. So effectively to summarize what we do, we uh, innovate on behalf of our customers, uh, and we focus on the low-code, unified, intelligent SaaS test automation solution. Uh, that sounds amazing. I, I never thought about the low-code as an approach to make the technology and the development and the design of the technology and, and the innovation, as you said, more accessible for m- more people, right? Maybe it's, this is another way to say it. I have one more question for you, which is, if you have to recommend a book, uh, which one would it be? It could be a related to accessibility testing or whatever you like. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I am uh, currently reading a book called Collaboration Overload uh, by Rob Cross. Um, so a lot of us, uh, especially actually it's relevant in the DevOps transformation where we think about part one of the uh, kind of cultural aspects of DevOps is, is collaboration and making sure that there's a, uh, very proactive collaboration across the teams. And uh, uh, this this author is talking about the other end of the collaboration, which is what happens if you collaborate too much? And uh, how do you know if you are having a collaboration overload, right? Because as a product manager, if everyone wants to collaborate and you are in the center of everyone, will you get a collaboration overload yourself and what's the impact of that on your productivity and on your overall mood, whatnot. So if anything, I would encourage people to, to read that book. It's, it's been uh, uh, very interesting so far. Very interesting, very interesting. So again, as a final question, I'd like to ask you if you have any, anything else to recommend the audience. I would encourage people to, especially quality professionals, to... Uh, uh, focus on, on, on business outcomes as, as they are uh, kind of focusing on the quality of the software and focus on customer experience because we do a lot of research and in our research, uh, it comes up very clearly times and times again that there is a huge correlation between 
the test coverage and the overall quality of your product and your customer experience. So uh, really uh, uh, encourage everyone to think about uh, kind of customer experience and think about how quality engineering as a practice enables you to deliver better customer experience, especially now where more and more people are engaging with companies in the digital uh, kind of platform, right? Because everything is getting digital these days. Um, and then uh, certainly uh, we'll encourage people to uh, uh, check out our journey and, and how we at Mabel help quality engineers to, to deliver effective customer experience uh, through delivering effective cost code coverage. We have a, a free trial. They, uh, I encourage people to sign up and see how we're trying to disrupt the space uh, with our uh, low-code, intelligent, unified platform approach. Um, and if there are any questions, uh, you know, I'm, I'm here to help. And that's where maybe they can reach out uh, to me in social media. Uh, you know, check out my LinkedIn, drop me a message and, and, and learn more what we do and, and how can I, can I help uh, in their journey. Amazing, amazing. So, Gail, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to have you here in the show and uh, stay safe and talk to you soon. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. I hope your sense for quality got better after this conversation. Thank you so much for listening and please subscribe to Quality Sense Podcast. Tell your friends, your family, your colleagues or whoever you think can benefit from listening to it. I hope to see you soon. Adios, amigos.